Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Today's date is April 2nd. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be going over some of the potential prospects that the Dolphins could be looking at with that first pick that they have in this upcoming draft. Again, that is at pick number six, and it leaves them with a handful of very good options that many would consider to be elite in terms of what a prospect could offer. And then we're also going to be discussing some of the other guys from across the NFL that in some way, shape, or form uh, pertain to the Dolphins. Now, some of this may sound familiar if you listen to the most recent episode of Dolphins Talk. So just a little heads up because some of the points may be familiar, especially when I'm uh, discussing Devontae Smith. But uh, we're going to dive into this episode because two guys in particular had these just tremendous Twitter-breaking pro days that really caught the attention of the entire NFL world. And the first of those we will begin with is Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida, who just had a ridiculous outing. He is six foot five. He has 245 pounds. He was running his 40-yard dash, and this guy just looked like the Terminator. He was an absolute unit, just a freak of nature uh, in terms of his build. Just got an absolute muscular, just strong looking guy. So 245 pounds. He had a 40 yard dash of 4.4, which is ridiculous for a tight end. He had a vertical of 33.5, which is, uh, you know, pretty good. It may not be a huge number like some of the guys we may see, but still good nonetheless. And 22 reps of 225 on the bench press. So it's also important to note that in his pro day, Coach Brian Flores was in attendance. So uh, his stock rose tremendously after this appearance. I mean, the entire NFL Twitter world was just talking about how much of an absolute physical specimen this guy looked like. He had a wingspan of 83 and 3 ace, which is just ridiculous to think about. And again, just an absolute unit. So across Twitter, I saw a ton of photoshops of him, uh, particularly in a jersey of the Atlanta Falcons, who of course hold the number four pick. So if you're looking at this from the perspective, of can the Dolphins get to him, his stock rose a lot, and now I don't think it is a sure thing at all that he goes to number six. Now, the other guy that people are talking about a lot is LSU's receiver, and that is Jamar Chase, who a lot of people have at that number one spot, some tied with Devontae Smith around in that area. He comes in here at six feet. He has 202 pounds. He ran a 40-yard dash of 4.38, so, you know, an extreme level of speed there, a 41-inch vertical, and he had 23 reps of 225 on the bench press, which it's important to note that was more than linebacker Micah Parsons and more than Gregory Rousseau. So again, this is a wide receiver. Now, interesting to note here, I was talking about this with a friend and he made a good point. He said, you know, he hoped that he would look good because he took a whole year off to prepare for this moment. He, of course, opted out of last year's season and declared for the draft. So, uh, you know, he was very primed to show out in an athletic standpoint in this very moment. And he really did uh, do so. Now, I mentioned how Brian Flores was at Kyle Pitts' pro day. Well, GM Chris Greer, as well as co-offensive coordinator George Goss, were in attendance for Jamar Chase's pro day. So that's also something important to note. So again, I mentioned his strength on there. He is a little bit more built. He is more of that prototypical wide receiver one, which is important to note because one of the main concerns when it comes to the other best receiver in this draft is Devontae Smith. And his main concern is people think that he is not strong enough. He is not, uh, you know, built enough for the NFL. He is an extremely skinny individual. So a lot of people are using that as a knock against Devontae Smith and kind of using that 
to catapult Jamar Chase into that lone wide receiver one spot. Now, I mentioned Devontae Smith a little bit there. The other guy who's also in the mix here, potentially for the Dolphins to get at that number six spot would be Tackle Penny Sewell from Oregon. So all of these guys are going to be in the mix there at the number six spot. And I think, frankly, at least from an outsider's perspective, all of these guys seem to be regarded as elite prospects. Again, you never know. Maybe they could shake things up and go for somebody else that uh, they regard as more talented. But at the end of the day, I'm expecting the Dolphins to be able to land one of these guys. So if you're asking me how I would rank these individuals in terms of which one I would hope the Dolphins could get, I would say Jamar Chase is my number one. Kyle Pitts is my number two. Devontae Smith would be my number three. And then Penny Sewell would be my last option. Again, if you guys know me, I like getting those flashy individuals. It may not be the best recipe for success, but if you're asking me, that is just how I would rank them. But an important little discrepancy that I want to make right here, though, is that I am not down on the idea of getting Devontae Smith. I do like uh, Jamar Chase. I've been flip-flopping between the two, and I may have said otherwise earlier. So even though Jamar Chase is my first option here, that isn't to say that Devontae Smith is some sort of bad option. I have him basically tied for that wide receiver one spot, whereas on Twitter, I, some pe I see some people saying, okay, if, if Chase and Pitt are gone, then trade down, you know, uh, that Devontae Smith is not a good option at that number six spot. And I think people are very quick to forget how he had the college football world at his fingertips, especially at the tail end of the season. And I think he's very worthy of being picked at that number six spot. I see some people going as far to say that they have Jalen Waddle above him. And I'm just not of that mindset. I think that he is very close to Jamar Chase, if not tied for him. And like I said, I've been flip-flopping between the two. I would not be angry at getting him at the number six spot. Again, I just kind of like those prototypical characteristics that Jamar Chase offers. I think in a lot of ways, even though he is only six feet, he plays a lot stronger than that. He is very quick and he kind of in some ways reminds me of Odell Beckham Jr. who is also extremely elusive when the ball's in his hands, can, be, uh, can make plays, and he also isn't the tallest wide receiver. So that's just a very quick comparison I have for him. But again, how I could see this early portion of the draft shaking out here, if you listen to my last episode, I had potentially the idea of having four quarterbacks go consecutively, but now the one thing that kind of shakes this up is Kyle Pitts and his value skyrocketing after his pro day. I would not be surprised here if the Atlanta Falcons go here and they look around the division and say, okay, we have the defending Super Bowl champs, but they had a very rocky road to get here. They may not be the favorites to come out and win again. Uh, you no longer have Drew Brees, so there's a lot of question marks with the New Orleans Saints, and the Carolina Panthers are a bit of a mess. So even though I think the Falcons are have a very depleted roster, at least on the offensive side, I think if they plug Kyle Pitts in, they could at least hope to have an elite offense that could carry them somewhere into the playoffs. Again, I'm looking at this from their perspective. I don't know if that's necessarily the best route for them to take in terms of passing on a quarterback, but I know GMs have an ego and they may look at this situation as still salvageable and go with Kyle Pitts and plug him in here. So again, you have three quarterbacks, I assume to be the first three picks, and then maybe you have Kyle Pitts, and then that leaves the Cincinnati Bengals. And apparently Joe Burrow's been making a strong case for getting Jamar Chase, and even though I think it's very easy to connect the dots to him, I think if you subtract that you know, prior uh, experience they have with each other, that the Bengals wide receiver need isn't really, you know, that important to them. They have T. Higgins, who was having a spectacular season last year, and I don't think gets enough credit. You have Tyler Boyd, who is extremely talented, especially good when he works in the 
slot. I think it was very easy to see if you watch the Bengals what their need was and it was that Joe Burrow was getting absolutely killed back there and that's how he ended up getting hurt and that's something that I've reiterated constantly. We saw how bad of an injury he had and that wasn't because of lack of receivers. That was because the offensive line. So I'm still more inclined to say that the Bengals, if they want to protect their young franchise quarterback, a guy who just suffered an injury, they're going to look at this situation and say, okay, how can we make sure that that doesn't happen again? And I'm not sure that necessarily means uh, Jamar Chase is going to somehow fix that issue. So if I had to bet, I still think the Bengals look at this and they go Penny Sewell here at that number five spot, which would leave the Dolphins here with Jamar Chase. So again, if I have Jamar Chase available for the Miami Dolphins at that number six spot, I am absolutely sprinting up to the podium to pick them. And again, if the Bengals instead, which they very well likely could go Jamar Chase, if they can't, I am completely fine with the Dolphins in this spot going Panay Sewell or instead going Devontae Smith. I don't think if it's a situation that if Devontae Smith is the best receiver available that they have to trade down, I would be more than happy with landing Devontae Smith at that number six spot as well. Now, it's interesting if it gets to the point where the Dolphins have an option between Kyle Pitts and between Jamar Chase. Again, if you're asking me, I still go with Jamar Chase. I am very weary of the tight end position and I admit that Kyle Pitts is just a freak of nature, but it just seems like over the years we've seen an array of talented prospects at the tight end position either uh, not succeed at all or especially not succeed early on throughout their career. I think if we even look at Mike Kosicki and just the athleticism that he offers, I mean, he has all the physical tools that you would want in a tight end, and I'm still very optimistic about him, but it just really goes to show that the tight end position sometimes doesn't always translate uh, at the same rate that I think the receiver position will. So again, I'm just completely aboard the Jamar Chase hype train right now. I'm all in on that, but again, that's not to say that I'm down on Devontae Smith or I'm down on Kyle Pitts or I'm down on Penny Sewell. Again, once you start to get to the other players after that, that's where I start having a problem about getting one of those guys at number six. So the Dolphins have a guarantee, just strictly numbers-based, that one of those guys will be on the board, and I love the idea of them landing any of them at that number six spot. Now, to talk about some prospects that may not deal with the Dolphins necessarily, but they have been tied together on Twitter and kind of some drama, and it was Mac Jones who also had a pro day, and I think it's hilarious, and I don't mean this in a condescending way that I think people are dumb for doing. I'm genuinely, you know, I think it's funny, and I, I think it's lighthearted, a lot of it. The, the feud, the beef between Dolphin fans and Mac Jones. You would really think that Mac Jones had been dominating the AFC East for the past five years with the way that people hate Mac Jones. And of course, he went to college, the same college as Tua. They both went to Alabama. So the comparisons are going to be made there. We've seen the comments that were made by Devontae Smith and how they preferred Mac Jones and all of that stuff. So I can see how this beef arose. But I just think it's funny how these guys probably have a ton of respect for each other and they like each other. But Dolphins Twitter wants absolutely nothing to do in terms of hearing about Mac Jones. And I think it's just pretty funny. Um, but to get to it, he had a pro day. He launched a deep pass and it hit the ceiling. And that kind of summed up his pro day. He had a lot of errant throws. And I think it is, again, not just based off this one pro day, but I think this whole idea of him going to number three is just a product of prospect fatigue. And I've been saying constantly, I think the NFL just gets tired of saying certain prospects over and over and they decide to hype up other guys. And people are tired of just saying the same person over and over. So they try to find something unique that they could put a spin on. 
I think that's what Mac Jones was. And who knows, maybe the 49ers could shock us all and go for Mac Jones. But I think, again, he is just a product of this prospect fatigue of people getting worn out with saying the obvious thing and wanting to find something interesting to talk about. I don't think that he is one of the top guys here. I would be shocked if the top three guys off the board aren't, you know, Trevor Lawrence and then either Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. If somehow Mac Jones sneaks in above those guys, I would just be absolutely shocked and I don't think it's going to happen. I think if it does happen, you will get the same reaction possibly that Daniel Jones had. And again, we've seen instances like that Daniel Jones things happening. So maybe it could happen, but I just personally don't think that he belongs going anywhere above Justin Fields or anywhere above Zach Wilson or frankly, anywhere above Trey Lance. I have uh, Mac Jones behind all of those guys, but again, who knows? We've seen stranger things happen. I just, I think it's a product of that process fatigue and I'm really happy that I learned that word on Twitter because I've been describing that kind of feeling and that kind of phenomenon all off season and they, they put a word to it I'm glad I found it because that's exactly what uh, I've been trying to describe now the last topic I want to talk about here just really quickly and it's a topic that I imagine I'll dive into a little bit more deeper because it's one of the Dolphins need and it's that running back position here and how they will address it likely in the draft because they didn't necessarily make a monster splash they got Malcolm Brown in free agency, but it's still pretty likely that they go running back fairly early on in this draft. And uh, of course, Najee Harris is the one that's being tied to the Dolphins the most. He, of course, he has that experience back at Alabama. He is an extremely well-rounded running uh, running back. He is great as a pass catcher. He offers a ton of great traits, and he would be an absolute uh, you know, home run if the Dolphins could get him with that second pick of the first round. And frankly, I think it would be shocking if he somehow falls out of the first round. So if the Dolphins don't use that second pick on them, it doesn't seem like they're going to be able to get them. But again, I know you guys might hate me for saying this, but I am not too big on the whole running back position. And I'm frankly a little bit more of a fan. And again, I love the idea of getting Najee Harris. I think he is an absolute stud at the running back position and he is the best guy available there. But I wouldn't mind taking a little bit more of a downgrade. And I don't even know if I want to say too much of a downgrade, but getting Javante Williams a little bit later on and getting somebody else with that first round pick. I like the idea of that a little bit more, just getting an extremely valuable guy, maybe a defensive star that you could plug in there immediately with the end of the first round with that 18th pick, and then going Javante Williams maybe in the second round. And again, honestly, I like that idea a little bit more. That's not to downplay Najee Harris's skill set or say he's a bad prospect, and I really want to emphasize that, but I'm just not big on the running back position in general. You look at Najee Harris, he is also 23 years old. Javante Williams is 20 and the running back lifespan is one of the shortest in the entire league and one thing in particular about the running back position uh, one thing is that you can find talent across the board you can find guys like Aaron Jones who was a fifth round pick Kareem Hunt who was a third round pick a lot of the guys Alvin Kamara that are starters and weren't regarded as first round talents and I really want to emphasize that but the other point is that the running back position is one that it doesn't seem like there's much of a learning curve for this position. It seems like the guys straight out of college are able to be plugged into the system and have some degree of success. Now, when it comes to quarterbacks, you know, they may need a full year or full two years. I mean, with the tight end position, we've seen guys who are star tight ends, but they do absolutely nothing for their first year or two. We've seen some great offensive tackles struggle in their rookie years. And even on the defensive side, 
side, how Xavier Howard struggled in his rookie season and then turned out to be elite. But with the running back position, it seems like you can plug in a rookie there and they will have success uh, almost immediately. And I think of guys like Kareem Hunt or Alvin Kamara, or if we look at this last most recent group of running backs, it seemed like all of them didn't necessarily get the starting job immediately out of the gates. But when they got the job at the second half of the season, they took it and they ran with it. Guys like Cam Akers is absolutely dominating in the second half. J.K. Dobbins quickly became the guy over there in Baltimore. And then DeAndre Swift, when they gave him that lead back role, he seized it and he also looked extremely good. So if the Dolphins were to get a guy here at the running back position, I kind of expect them to take on this same role where maybe they're not completely the lead back at the beginning or the first half of the season. But by the end, it's going to be clear that they are the guy and they're able to have an immediate impact. And again, whether that's Najee Harris, whether it's Javante Williams, whether it's Travis Etienne, all of these guys are good options. But overall, I just think you can find talent a little bit later on in the draft. Javante Williams in the second round. I don't think it's as simple as if, okay, we missed on Najee Harris in the first or we didn't go Najee Harris and we passed on him for someone else that somehow the Dolphins made a horrible decision. I think there's different routes for them to take and different options that are also uh, pretty good ones and pretty good recipes for success. So guys, that is how I'm going to wrap up today's episode. As always, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so. That is at ShadySteven and at Via the Source. If you enjoyed the podcast, feel free to leave a review. It would help a lot. If you have any topics or questions or things that you would like for me to discuss in a future episode, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter and you can send them there and I will gladly discuss it in the next episode. But guys, that is how I'm going to wrap it up. It was a pleasure to be your host. Until next time, I'm Steve Amasso and this was Via the Source.